Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. How have you all been doing, friends? How has your quarantine been going? Have any of you taken up any new hobbies or are finding extra time to enjoy interests that you normally wouldn't have time for? My life has definitely shifted and changed as we all adjust to our new normal during these quarantine times. Lately, my husband and Dietrich and I have been enjoying testing out new recipes. We started off with making some bagels, then we moved on to pretzels and banana bread, and we are currently dabbling in homemade wine and this past weekend we made some cannolis that turned out pretty well so stay tuned to find out because what we're going to make next because I have no idea when this quarantine is going to end and so therefore I have no idea what we might end up trying out I also wanted to wish you all a happy holy week I cannot believe that Easter Sunday is this coming Sunday I wanted to wish all of you uh, listeners a happy Easter, and I pray that you all have a joyful and peaceful Easter Sunday. Hey friends, I wanted to thank you for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen. Can you consider helping me out? This would just mean leaving a little rating and review on either iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or YouTube. This helps other people to be able to see the podcast when they're searching in the apps. Thanks in advance. Also, you may be noticing we have a little different background song. So stay tuned because a little bit later on in in the show, I will let you know about the musician, the myth, the man behind it. Listeners, this is the 11th episode. Crazy. Today on the episode, we have my friend Nate Irvin. Now, I don't actually remember meeting Nate, but as I'm racking my brain, I know that uh, the first time uh, of recorded history that I could find on Facebook was that we were in a program called Band of Survivors Together in the summer of 2006, which, oh my goodness, geez, that's 14 years ago. I'm feeling a little bit old. This is the same Band of Survivors, the summer-long discipleship school that I met our guest from episode 8, DeAndre Coates, in. Today on the episode, Nate will share his story about how he developed into his calling of serving and working in the church, beginning when he became a Christ follower to choosing what college he attended, deciding to go and study abroad, uh, discovering God's call in his life, and then deciding what it would look like to follow it. You are sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Nate grew and developed into his calling of serving and working in the church. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to him or not, I believe that there's something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Nate. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Nate Irvin, and he used to be a Chicago person, but recently transferred up to a little bit colder, a little northerner to Milwaukee. So welcome to the podcast, Nate. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Yeah, my name is Nate. I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit when we 
jump into the story part, right? Yeah. But we recently moved up to Milwaukee, like almost not even three months ago. So this is very, so very fresh, so very new. I'm married to Danielle. We've been married for almost 10 years, 10 years in May. This coming wow, that year. makes me feel old. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we're getting the, to the double digits. It's crazy. And we have a son, Judah, and he is going to be three in December, December 28th. And yeah, that's just a little bit about who I am and work for the Salvation Army. I have for whew, 13 years. <laughs> and again, I'm sure we'll unpack a lot more in a little bit, but that's a little bit about me. Any fun facts you can share with us? Oh, fun facts. Let's see. I am Canadian. Hey. Uh, it's probably not fun. I'm a diehard Chicago sports fan, Cubs fan primarily. But to be incarnational into the Milwaukee <laughs> life, I have become a Bucks fan in the last three weeks or so when the season started. So I did see that on your Instagram. Yeah, the Pfizer form is pretty great. Really good food, and mm. the stadium is sweet and. Milwaukee turns up for the Bucks. I'll tell you what, it was pretty crazy in there. <laughs> awesome. Those are some good fun facts. So can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up? I grew up kind of all over the place and grew up as a, like I said, born in Canada. And we lived there in Canada for about six years. I was born in Calgary. And then when I was three, we moved to Toronto. But at that time, my dad, who was doing stuff in IT, like in the 80s, and my mom, who was a music teacher, they both felt called to serve in full-time ministry. And my my grandparents both served as pastors with Salvation Army. Uh, on both sides, they were pastors with the Salvation Army. And so they kind of felt that call, too. And so when I was about six, we went to Chicago, and they went into seminary. And so I grew up. I grew up in the church. Long story short, I grew up in the church, and I have pastors, like I said, all over the family, but I grew up in the church, and we grew up moving around. I had like a different school from the time I was in fifth grade up until sophomore year. I had a different school every year. Um, wow. Which is not, don't recommend that. <laughs> not. <laughs> You're not going to have um, you to do that? No, no. So not my favorite thing. And we primarily moved around the Midwest and Michigan and Chicago area, Indiana a little bit. I, I, I wouldn't say that even though I grew up in the church, I didn't grow up as a believer, as a follower of Christ. I, was, I didn't necessarily doubt that God existed, but that just wasn't something that I followed or accepted until until I was in high school. And ultimately in high school just kind of felt like, you know what, the way I was living and it wasn't doing anything crazy, but the choices I was making was kind of, they were kind of destructive to me as a person. And I just knew that I needed God in my life to get me on the right track. And so I became a Christian when I was 14, right before we moved to Chicago and between my freshman and sophomore year. And then, <clears throat> I mean, my life didn't change overnight and I don't have a miraculous story necessarily but my lifestyle kind of caught up to my beliefs throughout high school but it was really college was super transformational for me so became a Christian in high school and at the same time almost immediately in high school even though my faith was really immature and I was as a person also very immature felt a calling to serve the Lord through the church to be in ministry I didn't probably didn't have those uh, words yet and know what that meant but I just had as crazy as it may sound I remember having visions the Lord gave me about serving in ministry and doing public speaking and stuff and that 
was so foreign to me, but I'd had that from a really early young Christian point in my life. So that's why I went to college and got my bachelor's at Trinity International University. I went there and college was transformational for me because that's when things really started to click in my personal life. So really quick, what were you trying to study? What was your major? Or you just know that you wanted to be going to a Christian college? I knew pretty much right away that I wanted to study ministry related something. At Trinity at the time, there were basically two ways you could go. You could study ministry as a profession, like how do you do it? What are some, you know, getting training and how to do the ministry sort of thing? Or Mm -hmm. you could study the Bible, you know, do biblical studies. And I felt like for me, I really wanted to get super in-depth training on the Bible side, not necessarily on the how-to, and I figured that I would that would come later. And so I knew okay. right away that that's what I wanted to study. There wasn't a whole lot of meandering in college for me that way, mm-hmm. and I know that's usually not the case, There's you know, and that's fine. I know a lot of people that they're like, I don't know, and they kind of, you know, get, go back and forth. But so anyways, yeah, I'd, I'd chosen that, and college helped me. The thing that I hadn't seen before, like when I was in high school or through my church up until that point, was what is like what does the community of believers have to do with my personal faith and and so it was like in in college that I was surrounded by friends from college friends from a different church I had started going to I like kind of took a break from the Salvation Army in college I still kind of had my foot in the door there but for all intents and purposes wasn't really my home church for those four years that I was in college and went to like a parachurch organization called Sold Out that's R.I.P. no longer around. <laughs> uh, for the time that fond it was Fond memories, open, fond memories. Yeah, for the time that it was around, at least for me, it was super beneficial. And like I said, the, the biggest thing was that it taught me about community and seeing other people, honestly, it was just like seeing other people live out Christianity that I hadn't, and I know it's going to make it sound like I never saw that in my other church, but seeing it in action in college through Sold Out and through my friends was like a totally different thing. It was just a different thing for me that I didn't really see before. And I was discipled. I had someone particularly point, pull me aside and meet with me one-on-one and teach me about <laughs> what does it mean to be a Christian, you know? Mm-hmm. And before I'd gone to programs, I'd gone to stuff, I'd gone to church, whatever, but like this was meeting with someone who invested in me as a person. Cared was about that... Person. Was that person from sold out or from yeah. church or from yeah. school? No, it was from uh, sold out. His name is Dan Enerson. Shout out to Dan if he would listen to this. But we have <laughs> <laughs> we I've had a lot of different mentors over the years, and I haven't really kept in touch with him over the last probably ten or so. But he uh, yeah, so he he discipled me for really really just for that like moment in time when I was in college. And then uh, kind of a part of my story too in college is just that, and it was nothing that was really ever on my radar, but in, let's see, it would have been 2005, both my roommate, uh, his name is Eric, Eric Bender, and I, we both felt like we wanted to study abroad in college. And that was that was something we kind of talked about doing together. He's a business major, I was a biblical studies major. And so he was like, dude, you should go to Israel with me. And that's where he ended up going. We should go to Jerusalem and you should do this biblical studies program in Israel. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, if I'm going <laughs> to study the Bible. I should, that, I should go there. Um, but I was looking at the options for the different study abroad programs that our school had. And there was this one in Costa Rica that was about learning faith from the perspective of the third world and from the poor over there and I don't know I can't explain it and in any other way I remember meeting with the dean 
on my school at a time and being like, hey, what do you think? What are the, what are some good options? Uh, what should I do? Obviously, on paper, it makes sense to go to Israel, but this is also grabbing my attention. I don't remember much about the actual meeting. I just remember <laughs> walking a short block or two from his office to my dorm and being convinced. I really felt like the Lord speak to me. I need to go to Costa Rica. So I went there and that was my senior year, first semester, went to Costa Rica first semester. And that really, I think, marked a shift in my faith that I had not yet, I hadn't had and don't know if I would have had otherwise. And things like, what does it mean to care for the poor? What does it mean to care for the oppressed? What does God have to say about that? What does does the Bible talk about that stuff? What is justice? What is social justice? All that stuff was mm-hmm. introduced to me at that point. Because studying at Trinity, love the place, glad that I went there. I mean, it was a um, perspective on faith from a very limited point of view, mainly white, evangelical, American. And again, thankful that I went there, whatever, but it was very limited in that. And so going to... Costa Rica was a huge game changer for me. So after graduating, I, like I said, I hadn't been really going to the army at that, you know, at that point during school, came back from Costa Rica, finished college. But towards my last semester in the spring of 2006, I went to a, a Salvation Army event called Youth Councils. Uh, <laughs> and I still remember this very clearly. A buddy of mine, Luis Aswahe, asked if I wanted to go up and just have a time of prayer with him during this is the concluding session of the weekend, whatever. And so we went up and we prayed. And I seriously have no idea what the sermon was even about or who preached. I have no clue. I just remember we went up to pray, and it was in this time of prayer that the Lord was like, "Nate, you need to come back to the Salvation Army. This is your church. I want you to work for the Salvation Army." And that was a game changer for me too, because that was just not where I was in life and so went back back to school that would have been like in April of 2006 and then that summer did an internship with uh, one of my best friends Eric for the youth department in Chicago the did First you, Salvation Army. Before you went to youth councils did you already kind of have an idea of what you were going to do when you graduated or <laughs> up in the air like a classic college graduate situation? Classic college graduate <laughs> situation. Yeah, I was yeah pretty pretty immature on that front, and it wasn't interviewing at different churches or anything like that. I was just we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so very very thankful that God stepped in. I had this internship with Eric with Salvation Army, and that set me up for really now that I look back on it, the next 13 years of my life working for the Salvation Army. That that was like my entry level point, and did this internship over the summer. And during that internship, a close family friend, his name is Josh Polanco, him and his wife, Jen, were serving at a church on the south side of the Salvation Army, south side of Chicago. And during that internship, asked if I would be their youth pastor. And yeah, so I, that was my first job out of college. And I was I was only there for about a, a year and I don't even know if it was a year and a half, a year and a few months. And Eric, who I'd done an internship with, was moving on from his job to what he's doing now, just to work with young adults with the Salvation Army. And his job was opening up. And so his boss, Eric's boss, they wanted someone to come in and take over just temporarily so that the programs and stuff they had going on wouldn't fall to the ground until they found someone more permanent. And so they asked my boss, Josh, if I would go. 
and didn't want to, wasn't on my radar. I was happy doing what I was doing on the South Side. And I was still really young. I was a year and a half and not even into my first job, you know, Mm -hmm. still really immature, still trying to figure things out and whatever. And Eric had lunch with me, some other people in my life spoke into my life and said, you should go. And so I did for three months. And by the end of that three months, long story short, just felt like, hey, I think I want to do this now. I want this to be my full time job. And so I asked if I could do that. And then I then spent the next 12 years working for the Salvation Army Chicago in teen and young adult ministry, resourcing the 28 local churches that we have, they have now in, uh, (laughs) I gotta get used to saying that, but that they have in the Chicago area. And that was 12 years that were well spent. I really enjoyed all the things that I got to do there. And then, like I said, recently for really the last few years of being in Chicago felt like I was restless and ready to do something else. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like not even just ready to do something else anywhere but where I was, but restless in the sense of, all right, I'm ready for some even new ministry added responsibility. And I would have been happy to just have more responsibility added to what I was doing there, but that just wasn't happening and, and that's okay. But I had been talking to other potential ministry positions within all within the Salvation Army at kind of at this point in my life and know that God wants me at least you know, until he says otherwise, to serve in the Salvation Army. And that's just what he has for, for, for me and for us. And so we had been talking to the people, nothing had really opened up. And then kind of on a, honestly, kind of on a whim, made a phone call to the leaders of the Salvation Army in Wisconsin and just said, hey, do you have any? And honestly, that's all it was. It wasn't really like a, felt like, well, and, and part of it is too that my wife's family is from this area. They live in like Sheboygan County. And so we were like, you know, how cool would it be to live that close to family? Because, you know, my family being officers move all around and that's not going to happen. And so that was really like the initial conversation with them. But long story short, it was about, I don't know, six months, six to eight months where we were going back and forth with them. And over that course of, time really really feel it went from an, a, a whim conversation of hey what if to this is definitely where god wants us to be and there's no <laughs> guessing now that it's clear as day it couldn't, wow. couldn't be any more clear so now i do something that's way different than what i had been doing for the last 12 13 years with salvation army which at four was all youth ministry on paper i don't do any youth ministry anymore i mean it's still i see kids and stuff and then different ministries that, that we have but i don't really have any responsibility with that i basically have two jobs that kind of smashed into one and so my title is super long and i gotta find a way to <laughs> make it make for people yeah because it's milwaukee county chaplain and city mission coordinator which is a again super long but basically the milwaukee county chaplain part is i'm a chaplain for the social services in the city of milwaukee and there's a, there's a ton of stuff that our social services do in the city and but dang the main piece is that i serve as a chaplain to the residents at our homeless shelter in the city which is 120 beds and it serves men women families so it's like a wraparound thing that doesn't exist outside of the salvation army in the city and and people want to stay at the salvation army emergency lodge so that's half of it and the other half is a city mission thing which is brand new to my knowledge no one else in the salvation army has that role and there are other people doing things very similar like friend of mine named sarah johnson her whole job is city stuff in st louis but this city mission thing is basically in a nutshell helping 
oversee the work of the army in the city. And it's also really about creating some new things that the army isn't doing yet in the city. And how do you focus on city ministry and what Salvation Army needs to be doing in the city? So. This week, our sponsor is my multi-talented and extremely gifted musician friend, Sam Arias. Sam is a Chicago songwriter. He has a new single titled, Who You Are. This is his first release since his 2017 EP, The End of the Halcyon Days. Spending more time at home due to the COVID-19 stay-at-home order, Sam was allowed more time to work on some music and is excited to finally release some new music since taking a brief hiatus. If you can't wait until April 14th to hear this on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever streaming platform you prefer, you guys can hop on over to samariusmusic.com to stream and download this single before it's officially released. If you haven't already, like and follow Sam on Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify to keep up with his latest music releases and upcoming shows. Again, his website is samariusmusic.com. That's S-A-M-A-R-I-A-S. M-U-S-I-C dot com. All right, back to Nate's story. That sounds like a big challenge since you just moved there. (laughs) Yeah, it is, yeah. And honestly, I don't know how long this phase will be, but I think at least a year before we even moved, I knew that my posture for a good while was going to have to be one of listening. And so just been thinking about James 1 where he talks about, you know, it's better to, uh, we have to be slow to speak, quick to listen. And so I've just been trying to do that and listen to the, the issues of our city and recognizing clearly that there are a lot of people that the Lord has been using to work in the city for mm-hmm. the city for a long time. And so really it's it's listening, but it's also making relationships and connections with people who have a heart for the city and learning from them and coming alongside them. And, you know, the creating something new won't take place, I'm sure, for a while. But God's been doing some really great things in the city, and there's been a lot of faithful people. So I'm really excited just to, to join them. I really like how you said just being in a posture of listening and then also recognizing that God's been there before you. He'll be there <laughs> after you, and other people yeah. have been there doing that, too, because... It reminds me of when you go on a missions trip or something and you're like, we're going to bring Jesus to all of these people. But it's yeah. like, Jesus was already there. There was already yeah. a church there. Yeah. And yeah. you just get to be part of that for that time. But I really like how you said that. I mean, depending on the context, especially when you talk about cities and you talk about like, we're going to go into the quote, inner city, unquote, <laughs> and we're going to bring the light of God there and we're going to bring Jesus there. And that is like a really super offensive thing <laughs> to say that every single one of the churches that have been there for decades and I know. <laughs> decades, you know, and it's like, oh, what? Yeah, that's not what I'm trying to do. Just trying to be another person that I feel like God's called us to be here and yeah, help, help live in the city. We believe in being incarnational and living here in the city and Again, just listening and trying to be aware of the issues and yeah. Awesome. Is there any specific issues that you've been passionate about in relation to specific city issues Mm -hmm. Um, coming from Chicago and Milwaukee's a pretty big city too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably the biggest thing that over the last five years-ish that I've just been trying to be vocal about in my little corner of the world. You know, it's... I recognize that God 
gave me a position of leadership within the church, and I also recognize there's a lot of there's a lot of other leaders in my church. So I know I'm not the only one, but I I was convicted uh, a few years ago to make sure that if I have a voice in leadership, however small that platform may be, I wanted to make sure that I just I, so I remember. There have been many times when I, in Salvation Army meetings or in my own churches that I've attended, there came a point where I realized no one's talking about racism. No one's talking about specifically shootings, officer-involved shootings with black men, black people in our country. And at first I was just like, why is that? What is going on? You know, it's just strange. And so just over time felt really convicted that I needed to use my voice to do that because it just seemed like in Chicago, not saying anything about Milwaukee because I've only been here for, like I said, not even three months, but in Chicago, that's just not being talked about. No, I was looking around and no one, you know, no one was really saying anything. And so I wanted to make sure that we did that. So the different events or things that I had control or leadership over, we made sure that we talked about systemic racism and the Black Lives Matter movement and why that's important as a Christian to embrace that and understand how to be a person of faith who champions racial reconciliation and how that's not, here's the thing, that's not, um, racial reconciliation isn't like a bonus to the gospel. It's not like icing on the cake. And it, the gospel that I've always understood is that the ABCs of salvation or the four spiritual laws and you become a Christian, you confess your sins, you go to heaven. Yay. And that's the thing. And in racial reconciliation, if you get to that, oh man, cool. But it's not a necessary thing for a lot of people. It's, it may be part of scripture to do that, but it's not the main thing. It's not the gospel. And what I've been mm-hmm. convicted of and not just, this isn't a new thing, this is, some people have been saying this forever, you know, but the thing is, is that, that, that is the gospel. You know, Paul talked about how if you're going to be reconciled to God, you have to be reconciled to people. Can't, can't choose, pick and choose what you want to be reconciled to, you know. That's a big thing for me and still, still passionate about that. They say that Milwaukee is the most segregated city in the United States. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, in fact, I learned that because we had a guy named Dr. Soom Chan Ra. He's from North Park Theological Seminary, where I am on the longest road ever to uh, finish a (laughs) master's degree. But he's a professor there. He's amazing. And we actually had him come to a youth event, uh, youth councils, when I was back in Chicago and teach uh, an hour and a half workshop on racial justice to 300 high school students or whatever it was. And he talked about, this is why Black Lives Matters is important for people to embrace as Christians. And one of the things that he said was a classic, and maybe you've heard before people say that, you know, the most segregated time in America is a Sunday, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so he's going kind of into segregation statistically. Yeah, Milwaukee um, is reported as being the most segregated city in, in the States, which coming from Chicago, I didn't, Chicago's super segregated still, and I just didn't realize it could be worse than that, unfortunately. It's not a medal to be proud of, you know, so people don't necessarily talk about it a whole lot here in Milwaukee, but you could Google it, you'll find it. So yeah, that's definitely one thing that I'm, I'm super passionate about. What would you say to somebody who is hearing you talk about this and maybe this is a new thing that they're starting to learn about? Where mm-hmm. would you point somebody who's interested in learning more, but kind of unsure mm-hmm. and want to make sure that they're going to trustworthy resources? What would mm-hmm. you suggest to them? Yes, Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil. She is a professor, pastor, and an author, and I'm looking up some book titles. I just had to read a book of hers for school recently, and it is called 
And if you cannot tell, I'm trying to stall until I find it. Here it is. <laughs> it's called A Credible Witness, Reflections on Power, Evangelism, and Race. Brenda Salter McNeil. She's incredible. And I haven't read any more of her books, but I know she has others. But what I really appreciate, Brenda, is that I think there can be a tendency for people in the church who champion justice issues Well, just let me say this. I think in the church in general, there can be two sides of the spectrum, two extremes. One is kind of what I described before as the gospel is very, it's just spiritual. You know, it only cares about your sin, only cares about getting you to heaven, right? That's like Mm -hmm. the one end. The other end would be, we just want to be revolutionaries and we just want to champion the causes of justice in the world. Almost to the the extent that I've heard it described as it's the kingdom without the king, if that makes sense. So it's like, you know, we're going to try to make the kingdom of God real. But Jesus worshiping him, the spiritual stuff, downplayed. And what I really appreciate about Brenda Salter McNeil or Shane Claiborne is another one. They really sit in the middle on those things. And I remember hearing Brenda Salter McNeil speak at a Salvation Army thing earlier this year. And I remember her saying something to the effect of the thing that the church has to offer racial reconciliation that no one else does is Jesus, you know, is the person of who he is and that he is not just that he was just teacher clearly, but that he's the son of God. We have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. These are things that not everybody has, you know, and we as believers, we not only theologically understand how important justice is, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry that out and to do things that are inspired by the Spirit that may seem crazy to the world, but actually work because they're inspired by the Spirit. So, yeah, I really like Brenda. She has a lot of wisdom, and she's been doing this for a long time. So I would start with her. Awesome. Thanks for that suggestion. Mm -hmm. Because I think that a lot of times, like hearing about issues, sometimes people... I think just are wondering where to go to and what resources are reliable. So I haven't heard of her, so I'm interested mm. to check into her book. Yeah, like I said, she has quite a few. And again, she's a pastor. Her book feel very pastoral. And the, the one that I mentioned is all about the woman at the well mm-hmm. in John chapter 4. And what was so cool to me about that is that, you know, I've read that story quite a bit growing up and whatever. But I had never, for whatever reason, really read it through the lens of what was really happening, which is Jesus was a Jewish man, and he was talking to a, a Samaritan woman. Clearly, that's in the title of the story, depending on what yeah. relationship. But what he was doing and how they were interacting, I don't even know how I missed it, but I did. And she really breaks it down. So it feels like you're almost, I wouldn't say a Bible study, but you really are reading a theological text and getting more out of scripture that way but being called to go deep in issues of justice and i would also i think i'm just gonna look if i can find i feel like there might have been discussion questions in this book at the end if this is something that you have a group of friends that you're like you know what we've been talking about this and we want to learn more this would be a good book to go through and i believe at the very end they have discussion questions that would make it easy for you guys to dive in and ask those difficult questions yeah thank you Mm-hmm. Are there any other passions that you wanted to highlight that you've been living and learning about? Yeah, I feel like I'm more of a recent passion, even though I have been working for the church for 13 years. It's, <laughs> I think it's just weird, but I've been getting really passionate about the local church. I think since we've moved to Milwaukee, it's really been something that the Lord has been speaking to me about. And I think it's because I'm convinced that there is nothing like the local church on the face of the planet. And it's one of the most 
powerful forces, one of the most beautiful things out there. But Jesus said to Peter, you are my rock and on you I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will overcome it. And that promise doesn't exist for anybody or any other organization or group of people or gathering, whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use, but the church, you know? Yeah. And I get it. I've been hurt by people in the church, majorly. I've been, I've seen that, been done to others. And I know clearly if you were to look at abuse and scandals and all that stuff, there have been really bad things that happen as a result of people in the church, but God still uses the big C church, if you will, you know, church mm-hmm. throughout the world. And I promise doesn't exist for like denominations that Salvation Army might die in 10 years or whatever. The other denominations will come and go, but the church, the gathering of people of God is a super powerful thing. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really passionate about that. And I think for a long time, I was kind of like, Ugh, Salvation Army is going to die. <laughs> You know, just kind of someone who's worked in the inside of the Salvation Army for a long time. I think I just got really discouraged. And some days can be, you know. And I'm just being honest. I don't know everybody out there that listens to this would be a Salvation Army person. But in my little corner of my church world, I was just getting really discouraged, you know. But the last three months, the Lord has just been like, no. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the army might die. Maybe denominations will come and go. But I made this promise a long time ago that not even the gates of hell will overcome the church. It's a beautiful, powerful thing. And that can look like going to a traditional church on a Sunday morning, or it could be a Sunday night that I have every week in the homeless shelter. We have a a church gathering, and it's people from all different walks of life, some who maybe don't have a faith, some that do, some who are Catholic, some who are, you know, Pentecostal, whatever. It could be something like the gathering of the people who follow Christ will always exist, and it's always a powerful thing when the Holy Spirit can have its way through her. Well, I really like the way you said that. Mm. I think that sometimes, especially when I used to go to the Salvation Army, it just seemed <laughs> this is not the only church, clearly, but it's the, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems the best bubble to be in, or I don't know, mm. prestigious, mm. or with all of the heritage and uniforms and that kind of thing. But just especially through my own learning and looking, I think it was in one of my church history classes, I had never heard it said before the way the professor was excuse like and I'm talking about the church and I mean the capital C church mm-hmm. the global church mm-hmm. and I know that you know that too but sometimes when you just realize okay everybody all together one body in the yeah. capital C church takes on a different light when you like yeah. absorb it instead of mm-hmm. just know it mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. kind of sounded a little bit like what you said yeah I'd agree yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for sharing. Did you have anything else that I didn't ask you about that you feel like you would like to share? You know, one thing, and I'll be quick about it, but I really like how your podcast is about trying to understand people's stories and their passions and stuff. And I just want to say that for me, I think it's important to, I think people sometimes get a little backwards but you know they want to try to find the thing that they're passionate about and they want to be Mm -hmm. really hyper focused on that thing they want to be focused on their career and i get that yeah finding your spark fight finding what you are built to do and what you feel like you're created to do but don't make that the thing that you follow like for me in my life and i'm not perfect and i haven't always gotten it right but the thing that I feel like I've always come back to is that the Lord is the one that has been able to direct my life and has been able to speak in my life and say, do this, do that, do the other thing. I didn't, you know, to be honest, I never woke up and it was like, you know what I want to do is be a youth pastor. That was honestly never my thought process. It was going to college, studying the Bible. That was mm-hmm. just what God had for me. And then when I graduated, 
here was this opportunity, and I felt God say, go do that thing. Then the passion for youth ministry kind of followed after that, and I was like, man, this is awesome, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I was never like, I have to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. Even though I wanted, you know, I would have been happy to do that and, and whatever, but but now I'm doing something that's not youth ministry, like, at all, <laughs> really, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I'm doing something that, I, if, you had, if you had told me even a year ago, well, not a year ago now, it's been close to you, but if you would have told me like, <laughs> a year, a year and one forgot, month. Yeah, a year and a year and a day ago that I'd been doing like homeless ministry full time and being a chaplain and doing urban ministry, I'd probably been like, Oh, that sounds cool, but I never would have been like, Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and especially a few years ago I would have been like, What are you talking about? That sounds crazy. But the only reason why I've been able to get to this point is because I haven't been married to to jobs or to specific passions. It's been Lord, what do you want to do with me in my life? What do you want to do with our life? And I don't want to make myself greater than I am. I know I stumble around and like doubt and whatever. And I just truly feel like sometimes in my generation, it's all about finding your spark, finding what you're passionate about and just do that thing. You know, go do what makes you happy. Go do what brings you joy. But if you just focus on that thing, that joy is going to run out and you're going to mm-hmm. end up being like, what do I do now? You know, so just keep, I mean, you went to Moody. DL Moody, keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah, that's it. That's good. One of my friends, I was talking to her, and she said the same thing. She said, like, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I'm following Jesus. And yeah. if I'm doing that, then the other things, like passions or things that I'm doing, are going to fall into place the way he wants. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Awesome. Well, I have one final question to ask you that I'm asking all the podcast guests, and that right. is, what's fueling you today? What's fueling your passion? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink or... A a new part of Milwaukee you're discovering so yeah anything yeah. yeah I I think we are just trying to be good I don't know are we Milwaukeeans if you're from Chicago mm. you're Chicagoans I don't know what the I think it's Milwaukeeans <laughs> I would say I've been really trying to be a Bucks fan when the Cubs <laughs> did not make the playoffs I had nothing to fill that void, so I jumped into the Bucks. (laughs) So just really trying to follow Giannis and the Greek Freak and figure out if they have what it takes to go the distance this year. Also, coffee. I've been trying to visit all the coffee shops because I love love coffee. Mm, Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for your time Mm -hmm. and just sharing a little bit of your story and your passions. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Friends, I loved our conversation with Nate. It was awesome to see how Nate had followed his calling of serving and working for the church in a variety of capacities. I really enjoyed hearing about Nate's passions of serving the Lord through the local church, through his context in cities primarily, racism and racial reconciliation and gun violence. I hope that we are all encouraged today about how Nate discovered and gradually pursued his calling. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode today was edited by our podcast editor, Sophia Bote, social media managed by Olivia Bote, and our music for this episode was by our friend, Sam Arias. <laughs>